Superflex City. Welcome back. I'm here this week with the Dynasty Madman and Superflex Dude. We started this show off actually with just some of the context that we were talking about as we were prepping for the show. So you actually get to hear a little bit of our our, our thought process before we even really began. But then we kind of felt that that dialogue transpired into what we wanted the show to be. So we kind of kept that in because some of that discussion we were having at the beginning before we actually started the so show was so organic and true to what we wanted that so the story show starts off a little bit raw here but i'm just going to throw you to john hogue and i had seen this thing on twitter uh this guy had tweeted out that like he he tweeted out the draft board um from a, a league that he commissions and and like the, we talked a little bit about that um but this is like kind of the impetus for the whole thing is he uh, he tweeted out the draft board and, and two guys through the first four rounds had taken nothing but quarterbacks. So he had two guys going QBX and he's just like, wait, is this like a dickhead move? Yeah, he was losing his mind. I did see that where like there's just these two teams like not next to each other, but in the draft where like six rounds in or so they just quarterback, <laughs> quarterback, quarterback. And you loved it. You were like, I don't know. Man. I think this is a good strategy. You're I think you're wrong. And. No, it's yeah. not a dickhead move. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, it, I, and I didn't go after the you know the the op too much on that because it was like I mean he was it seemed like he was just kind of asking in earnest like I mean is this is this okay are you guys good with this or yeah it can be but, a like, for sure but is it he's yeah. basically like is it okay or not <laughs> yeah. like some of the commenters I was like man like um one guy said uh said yeah dickhead move kick him out of the league and restart the draft oh, come on man you can draft whoever you want you fuckers i know i was like you wouldn't say that about like if they if they did that with running backs if somebody hoarded just like took a bunch of running backs you wouldn't say anything you know yeah if you want to go into a draft late round quarterback you want to be that guy you're more than likely at some point in time you keep doing that you're gonna learn your lesson not to be that guy and, and that just speaks to, in startup drafts, you have to remain dynamic because the draft is dynamic. You have to you have to be flexible. You can't go into it, hey, I'm going into this zero running back. What if 10 of the 12 teams are going zero running back? You probably don't <laughs> want to do that. You want to zig where they're zagging and, um, you know, come up with something else so that you're getting best player available. You can't just be rigid about it. And same, if people start taking three, four rounds in a row quarterbacks, guess what? You're not doing late round quarterback anymore. You're going to have to get your guy or your shit out of luck. And that's on yeah. you because you yeah. didn't waver on your strategy that you thought you should be able to pull off. People, you know, it, you go into a draft with free thinking. Everybody's independent and can make their own choices, free will. And, and, and you know, that's part of the fun. Oh, shit. You know what? Even for me, I thought I was going to be able to do this, but oh, that's interesting. But you still should come out of a draft with a good team or you screwed yourself up. You didn't. It doesn't matter what anyone else does. You should come out of a startup as one of the better teams or you're just not that good at it or you haven't learned your lessons or whatever. You should have a playoff ready team, be one of the top half teams for sure out of a startup draft or you just kind of fucked up. Yeah, you I, should at least feel good about it after the draft. Yeah. 
or I mean, kind of optimistic afterward, right? So one one place where I kind of I actually disagree with you though, Madman, is uh, you know the the flexible thing that people always talk about in drafts. Like I'm so the opposite of that. Like I I know what I want my roster to look like. I know how to get there. I know what my draft strategy is, and I'm uh, you know uh, like screw what everybody else is doing. I'm doing what I what what I know works best for me. And uh, like I always say, you know, go all in on your best ideas, basically. Um, and that's kind of true of everything in life, I think. But like, that's that's my approach. And I'm just like, I'm I'm not willing to be flexible on this. But how do you mean not flexible? Because just for instance, if everybody in your draft but you, yeah. let's, say, let's say all 12 teams go into a zero running back draft. Yeah. At some point, all the stuff that you want is going and none of the running backs, which would make Swags happy as hell. He's right. coming out of that draft with all the running backs, right? <laughs> Likewise, if everybody, if we all go into a draft right now, a startup draft, and the three of us are like quarterback heavy and maybe one other team, we're going for all the quarterbacks because we yeah. know you do, and we're we're like that too, and we don't want you to get them all. At some point, though, the reason I say you have to be flexible is there's going to be a, play, a few players, like a tier of players that are just jumping off the page at you and mm-hmm. saying, if you don't draft one of us, you're being foolish. Like regardless, if you're just going for position, Mm-hmm. making a positional scarcity on your own. At some point, this chunk of players, you better get one of them based on the potential, uh, the points that they're going to score this year. That's all I mean. Like you, totally. you can go in with a strategy and like these are the pl- kind of players, the numbers I want. Uh, and I don't go into it ever rigidly enough to say zero running back, wide receiver, heavy, late round quarterback, all that stuff. I, mm-hmm. I know what I want to have at the end of the draft and I'm trying to get there in some way. So I agree with you there, but Mm-hmm. You can't always come out of it with all the great late round running backs if people are going into it zero running back too because they're getting all the wide receivers, you know, the right. tight ends. The, so I'm just saying you, you do have to remain flexible unless you want to screw yourself over. That's my only point. Yeah, definitely. And But I, I guess I'm just willing to get screwed over by it. <laughs> you know? Okay, yeah. Well, give an example because I don't know right. if I completely understand. Can I ask a silly question? Or did we? Are we starting the show? Well, we, we we did start the show, Shane. Whether you let us or not, we already started the show. You're gonna have to put the intro in later. Oh, I was thinking goodness. the same thing, though. I was like, wait, do we need an do we do we need an intro? Should we just throw in an intro real quick? Hey, that's Swags. That's Madman. SFD here. Superflex City. Listen to that. <laughs> Go all in on your best ideas. I can. Uh, I, I do want to ask you, John, because yeah. because I kind of. I kind of do agree with Jeremy a little bit. Like there, like let's say, because you and I talked a bit, little bit yesterday. He said I, a little I, bit. I know <laughs> this is a huge, huge what if in hypothetical example, but what yeah. if like within those first couple rounds, like you see a scenario where there's sixteen to twenty quarterbacks taken off the board for just some crazy reason? You're still not going to pivot. No, I'm not. And and I mean, you know, it could put me in a pretty bad spot. There's no doubt, but because I mean, at some point, like, first of all, I'm going to be able to wait them out at some point. They're going to look at the at the running backs and the wide receivers and they'll move away from the quarterbacks, you know. So like at some point you end up doing kind of the opposite thing of what everybody else is doing. It's scary (laughs) waiting for that, playing that game of chicken. But eventually you do get there. And the thing that we know is, and, and I mean, you and I were talking kind of about this last night, Swags, like in a totally different context, but 
the fact that value is such a weird construct because it changes so quickly. So, you know, while we're in the middle of the startup and we're looking at this, this board and seeing all this value at the running back position, you know, it, it looks great right now. Look at it a year from now. And you're going to be like, man, I like, I, I knew that the, that those running backs weren't going to, they weren't going to hold up. Yeah. You know, for even for a full season, much less, you know, the life of this dynasty. So, you know, I like, I, I just, I, I know what each position can offer me. I know what it can do to, you know, to put together a specific roster build. You know, rather what you know, whether it prioritizes running backs, prioritizes wide receivers, prioritize you know, prioritizes based on age. It like I I know all of that stuff. I've collected enough information uh-huh. to know that the only way I feel good about my roster is if you have those quarterbacks, at least five quarterbacks. Yeah, and, and so you probably feel comfortable when you have a position of strength at quarterback, or uh, basically you've eliminated this position from concern for a long time, maybe forever, but certainly the foreseeable future. And unless you focus on the other positions, it's almost like a a real comfort level, a a creature comfort for you to have that coming out of a startup draft. And and that's how you feel comfortable operating from. Yeah. And, 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 you know, to a point where I'm just not willing to compromise on it, you know, even if, even if there is better value at a different position, I just I I don't trust that value to hold up the way I trust it with the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And, so. and I agree with that comfort. And that's even kind of why this is a complicated conversation for me to have, because I see what yeah. Jeremy's saying in like yeah. at, at that point where you're in round two. And then for some reason, like Nicholas Chubb is at 211. I mean, how could I not? You know what I mean? If like that real scenario did break down that way. But I mean, then yeah. you're also like, if there really was that amount of quarterbacks taken off the board, you are in dire need of figuring out a way to find a quarterback or some kind of advantage you can toss into this. So mm-hmm. that that's where it does become complicated for me. Like, it's easier for me to have this discussion with running backs and wide receivers because of, like, I think it's very important, even me, somebody that, like you mentioned, Madman, like I like my running backs. I'm I'm taking my running backs if I'm not taking a quarterback. I'm I'm definitely yeah. that guy. So I, I'm 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 fine with that. But there's also a point where you do have to have a certain tier level where you have to know better. Like if all these running backs are gone and Allen Robinson's there, I'm stupid to not like stay within my tiers a little bit. You know, and Allen Robinson just out of my ass example. But there's so many examples of like wide receivers that are tiers above certain running backs that so yeah I, I I have to change. But then like if you're letting like the Dobbins or the Swifts or some of the rookies that people don't believe in fall to me, I'm probably still taking those guys. I pride myself on being able to come out of any startup draft with anybody, any mix of people, and have a really competitive team, one of the best teams to come out of the startup, regardless yeah. of what any of you guys do. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna come out of it with with and I'm not being cocky. I'm gonna my I'm determined to no, have a good yeah. team at the end of it, no I, matter what I, anyone I, else does. I, and I don't know what you. you guys are doing. I know what you guys might be doing. <laughs> but, Somewhat. I, you know, kind of back to the point though, because what I, what I think we're, I think that we're kind of talking about the same thing. We just yeah. have a different way of getting there. Like for you, you know, value-based drafting 
is your comfort level. Like that's where that's how you build those teams that you feel confident in. And, and, you know, and I think that that's a a legitimate strategy, you know, I'd actually feel comfortable with having the 12th pick in the first round and the first pick in the second round and getting exactly what I want, which is a superstar quarterback and one of the best tight ends in the league. That's where I'd be most comfortable starting my draft from personally to to get going. And then because I feel like having the the two great tight ends and a bunch of quarterbacks, I can Mm -hmm. pivot just about any way I want to and keep my team competitive for a very long time. Just doesn't always work out like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's not just value really, although I feel like when I get into it down the down the path, I'm thinking, you know what? I can trade this guy for X. I can trade this guy for Y. I know that I'm getting a, uh, I'm getting the better end of a deal. As long, you know, assuming that I can trade that guy. But I mean, I honestly could go into it with zero running back and have fun with that late round quarterback. All these things that people have coined as terms that you know we've all done before they were names. Right. Well, I, I could do that d- those different things and and still have a team, but I still go out, you know, into it hoping I can get a top tier tight end and a really good quarterback. And then I I feel like I can do a multitude of things and be fine. And then, yeah, get as many quarterbacks like you, Hogue, as not as many as you, but, (laughs) you know, make sure that's not ever a position of weakness, that it's a position of strength and um, never scarcity. Because Mm -hmm. I feel like it, like you, it gives me a position of power in a way over my uh, more control over my destiny. I'm not at the mercy of it. There's, there's wide receivers and running backs, Every draft, there's wide receivers and running backs all through the startup if you get the right guys. And you know what wide receivers to get. So you kind of give yourself a leg up, too. So like going after those quarterbacks is never going to be a weakness unless everybody's drafting them in the first round. And then you're like, shit, I get Mitch Trubisky. Seriously? Right. Yeah. And and that's the thing. I think like for me, my strategy in a super flex startup is I, I want three to four quarterbacks, assuming that the draft goes my way by the time I get to the sixth round, like that's a a landmark for me in the draft. Like by the time I'm out of that sixth round, I want three to four, ideally four, That's a lot. but I know there's situations where I don't, but that's, that's my landmark in my startup that I want it kind of taken care of. I want to feel good about it. And I want to see what running backs and wide receivers fall to me. Typically those two players or three players that I did take that weren't quarterbacks are probably running back, but I want to touch on something else too. Like, um, John, and I'm not, I don't, I don't quite know how I feel about this one, but you mentioned, um, Jeremy and being like, of he's getting the best value on his teams per out the draft. But I think it also, like you could argue that he's putting together a more well-rounded team as well. Not not necessarily just like value-based because the value might be with the quarterbacks completely honestly to John's point. Like, and you talked a little bit about that yesterday when you have all those quarterbacks, mm-hmm. what you're adding to that value versus like the, the two-round equation. If you draft a quarterback in round six, the value of them is probably similar to somebody taking in round four. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, the value might still even be on your side. You might even still have like more, more playable cards. And I know that you're not building your team that way to have all the chips and to make those trades, but the value might arguably be on your side. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think that, you know, ultimately, but there's also, I guess, uh, I guess my whole point is there's also value there's a ton of value. I mean, more more value than you can possibly get in a draft. There's more value in just, you know, f- being comfortable and confident with your roster. 
Like that is the most valuable asset in all of fantasy football. I agree. I've bailed on so many teams because, you know, I, 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 it started off poorly in the startup. I, you know, I tried something that, that I had never tried before. It didn't work and I just could not get it rebuilt. You know, IAPs I, I, is, a, is important too. Yeah. Not even like just that you couldn't get it rebuilt, but sometimes IAPs is important. Like there might be something you don't like about your team when you look at it and it makes it one of your least favorite teams. And sometimes it's hard to get out of that. Well, I, you know, people sometimes come to me and and ask me about a trade and, you know, they'll, they'll say something like, you know, maybe it's, it's, you know, call it like, um, you know, Saquon Barkley for Nick Chubb straight up. And they say, you know, I, like, I, 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 like, I feel like the right move is to stick with Saquon Barkley, but I'm a Browns fan and I really like Nick Chubb. And I say, you know what, to me. Like that's that's compelling. The fact that you're a Browns fan, the fact that you're a Nick Chubb fan, like that is something that I think can go into the calculus because, you know, once once you get Nick Chubb onto your roster, you're going to I mean, you're going to feel more confident in this roster. You're going to feel more comfortable with it. You're going to pay more attention to it and you're going to make better moves. To you know, to kind of build around Nick Chubb, and to you know, you're just going to spend more time on waivers. You're going to yeah, attitude, the approach. Yeah, it, it makes sense to go for players that you really believe are better for you for a certain reason. Not you're just getting all Cleveland Browns or all Georgia Bulldogs, but that that yeah. player matters to you. And so, even though you're asking other people for advice, you probably already answered your own question that you yeah. value Nick Chubb higher than Saquon Barkley, which isn't wrong, by the way. Um, yeah. you value that player higher and then see if you can get, you know, you know, ha- get, get something, but that's a great trade because he's one of the best running backs in the NFL, a great pure runner. He started catching balls at the end of the year, like a champ. Saquon Barton, listen, elite pass catching running back, but there are way better running backs, many better running backs between the tackles as handoff running backs in the NFL. And Nick Chubb is just one of them, but that's one of the best backs. So you could argue that straight up, but if you could get something else too, um, mm-hmm trade Barkley for Chubb plus like we just talked about a trade last night it might have been a third um a pick on top of, a a pick on top of Chubb for for Barkley I can't move Barkley for Nick Chubb in a pick right now I'd love to be able to do that mm-hmm. I would prefer to do that but I can't but the fact that you get players on your roster that you buy into that you truly think are great Stefan Diggs Nick Chubb your fan your fan favorites across the league that's just one of the best parts of of dynasty but you probably already know in your heart of hearts that those are better players. And so do, should you overpay for that player to get them like Swags did? Would you give up to get Swift? Who? Oh, I, I mean, who? It, the, I, I, I uh, have him in didn't quite overpay, a few leagues. But uh, yeah, I gave up CEH straight up and caught some flack for it, you know. But um, I think I, I pulled that same trade, like same verbiage and everything months later. And the Swift side won. Right. Two years later, you could say, you know what? Two years ago, man, that was just a rip. You, you got ripped. But yeah. when you're talking about the same season, a, a period of a few months, the value shift, like to John's point, being so easy, so quick to happen. Did you really need to ask for more? Because right. you ultimately 
got the better player. I got what I wanted. Situation, I, you got what you wanted. I used my guy. value chart. You didn't lose because you got the better player. Right. So yeah. Whoever said you lose, and and even to touch on that, like also because and all, all shade aside, um, yeah. I, I do think that Ceh still chance stands a chance to recoup value. Like, but I don't think it's ever going to get yeah. to that point where he surpasses Jonathan Taylor or Swift again. It's just, he's just not my player. So my big gripe, my big beef was, you know, first of all, people taking in between 101 and 106 in a startup and advocating others to do that was, was very irresponsible of very many people like to have him that high. So my beef was with that. And really, then just, that's the point. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and then also just like, no, I still like this player better being like Swift or Jonathan Taylor for me. Mm-hmm. And well, the, go ahead. Sorry. I just the the person that criticized you for maybe not just capturing every ounce of value that they perceive out of that trade to get Swift. They're the same kind of people that are like, you know what? I'm not going to buy Tesla stock because it used to be so much lower. <laughs> I'm not going to buy it now when it's a little bit higher, even though it still went higher. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying like it's still foolish to say that you lost that trade because you paid more for your Tesla stocks. Than I paid for yeah, mine. Man, still I, I still have a, people telling me that I that lost investment. the trade just because in the moment I could have had more. And to me, yeah, that's yeah. so hard for me to like grasp or have an intelligent conversation. It's yeah. just like, no, dude, like then, like that argument was solid back then. <laughs> but at right. this and point, our grandparents like, had a saying for that. It was called beating around the bush. You the know, so you won the trade and got the better player. And, and it's even it it comes into those one of those other things, and we were kind of talking about this last night, John. And yeah. if I'm, if I, if you guys need to divert back to anything or anything, feel free to, no, but to what is value? Like, why is value? Like, what is it there for? We know why it's there. That's a stupid question I asked, but like, what is it? Why is it? And where does it come from? And if you never had value, like if you were just some caveman with no morals, no values that wasn't available to your decision-making process, what kind of trades would you actually make? Would you wear it on your sleeves more? If you couldn't see Matthew Barry's rankings, you know what I mean? Like, what is value? Like, in in general, it ends up being, like, whatever opinion is impacted into our brain the most, really. That, yeah. like, we can come to con- some kind of consensus and agree on as a community playing this game. And it fluctuates. That's part of the fun of Dynasty. It, it absolutely. And market value is yep. one of the things that that one of the things that people talk about all the time that I think is the most frustrating for me, they're talking about market value as if it's, there's one market. If you play in a multitude of dynasty leagues, there are several markets. Like each league has its own market because of, you know, the way the points are captured, the settings, you know, people value players differently from league to league. And so you can't just say the value of said player is this. I mean, you could maybe try to argue that this player is better, but, you know, depending on the offense they're in in the NFL, it might not matter. Like Chubb and Hunt together, you know, Chubb separate, doesn't have to worry about Hunt. There's there's just so many layers to that that it's hard to say. And I think that's why people struggle with value right there. And um, maybe, no the, maybe the dynasty caveman with no morals or values has to be a little bit more innovative. He has to think of his own ideas. He can't just go out there and have that group thought and think together, you know, it becomes back to the point, like only one person in your team in your league wins, you know, that is the minority. It's okay to like think alone. It's like dare to be bold, you know, just that simple stuff that you've learned since you were a kid, you know, and, and sometimes it's just kind of like, 
creating your own values a little bit as you go. I don't know. It's- I know John has said something recently about value, and 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 I, I I haven't been on any of those shows where you guys have talked about it. I want to know what he thinks um as far as how much values fluctuate and why you shouldn't really maybe get in, entrenched into that thinking or certainly worry about it, you know, today when it's going to change so quickly or whatever. Yeah. And, and I mean, especially this time of year, it's really tough. Like it's, it's really abstract, the idea of value, you know, in the off in, in season, we've got utility. Like that's where the value comes from is, is from their production, you know, but right now, I mean, none of them scoring any points, um, you know, so, so it's like, what is this value, value based on? And it's, it's partly based on what just happened, which is flawed because that's never going to happen again. Uh-huh. 20, 2020 was a very unique season. Thank God. <laughs> but exactly. But, <laughs> I mean, it works for my Cleveland Browns, but like, I, I never want to do this again with fantasy football. It was a, <laughs> an extra pain in the ass. Right. Yeah. And I mean, there were, yeah, there were, there were a lot of, of forces kind of working on it that we don't want to have to deal with ever but, again. But, but don't you think that but, you still became better at the game this year because of the issues that you had to like play into? I, I don't want to go I through this know. again either, but I think that it, it made you have to diversify a little bit differently. It made you had to look at things differently. It made QB extreme work even more. Like we, we talked about that a little bit last night too, for the, the circumstances where, like there was all of a sudden a bye week because of COVID that you weren't even planning on. You know, you had all your bye weeks in order with your quarterbacks, but now all of a sudden there's another one thrown into the thing. For I don't know. sure it benefited so, me in cases because it's, I usually have deep, deep teams, like just because of playing Debbie, I'll, you know, I, I'm confident that I have guys at the end of my bench that are going to be good at some point or whatever, feeling like I'm deeper at most positions in most leagues. It was a benefit to have those deeper rosters going into this year because you could better buffer all the shit that was happening um, until everybody's like unlimited IR positions. Yeah. And then that gave teams that didn't build the depth an opportunity right. to get a crack at waivers. Cause they were you didn't even really crap. need some of those. It, it definitely affected things, but you know, still we're able to weather the storm a little bit better because yeah. you know the most of the good players are taken early in the year. So but not, it did affect things. I'm not debating that it, it mm-hmm. did kind of suck. And I don't want to do it again, but I think like, I think that there will be positive that came out of this. I think that will be better dynasty players because of this. Yeah, I, I will be because I learned that I had too many teams because I not only had to set my rosters, my lineups on Thursdays and Sundays, but all the stuff that happened in between every time Sunday I went in to reset my, my lineups, it was like, you know, basically you have an IR violation and you can't do it. And I had to do all sorts of things. So I had to touch every one of my teams three, four times a week, you know, and I, I couldn't do that anymore with all my rosters. I, it was more manageable before this year. It and this sucked. year taught me that I can't have that many dynasty yeah, teams right. lineups set. It's ridiculous to try to do it. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, the, the, the tough part is the, like, again, you know, back to the original point, like that, this is never going to happen again. We're not going to have a season like that again. And one of the big differences is I am, I imagine that the IR rules for the NFL will go back to, you know, something at least similar to what they had before. I don't think they're going to, it's going to be the, the three week IR and everybody's eligible to come off of IR all the time. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't think they're going to keep A doing little too it. flexible, right? Yeah. 
and I mean, we definitely had to figure out how to navigate that. And but like now, like that one is going to be specific to 2020, I think. So we'll see. I don't know. But, you know, I, I but yeah, I mean, I think that some good habits probably got created there. Um, so that definitely helps. That's a great point. But yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, first of all, yeah, value is based on what just happened and what just happened isn't going to happen again. We know that. Um, and then it's also based on just kind of speculation. And it's like, I mean, that's such a, an unstable thing to base, you know, to, to base your, your currency off of essentially. You know, yeah, value. I mean, I guess thinking of it the way you're describing it is values are not what they seem right now because of how weird the season was. Stats inflated for certain players, positions, um, you know, maybe not putting too much stock into what just happened because it's not going to happen again. I mean, we definitely discovered good players, players mm-hmm. that became starters, but don't get too entrenched in what happened as far as how it happened because it's not going to, you're not going to see that again. So be careful because values are probably inflated and deflated in a lot of ways. I mean, we see it, right? We see it with Michael Thomas suddenly sucks. And so does Mike Evans, by the way, who not (laughs) only gets a thousand yards every year, but you know, he sucks. He's, you know, he's going to be 27, right? That's Mm -hmm. yeah. 27, 28 year old wide receiver, whatever. At six months, didn't turn those guys into turds. They're still really good players. Um, <laughs> and, but it's funny how people just turn on a dime and that creates value. Their perception of players value tanking and going up creates the trade market that yeah. I take advantage of. Oh, Amari wow, Cooper you, you too. Is, yeah, you think this player is amazing? I'll trade him mm-hmm. to you. You Oh, you think Mike Evans and Michael Thomas suddenly suck? And okay, well, I'll buy them from you. And the value is that I paid less than those players are worth. And the the value is I traded away great, um, not great players for the price of a great player because people want those players to be better than they are. And it's really the perception. Yeah. And Twitter actually helps us. Twitter helps us. It used to be like Matthew Barry and Evan Silva would create like a microcosm of value for a player, you know, that would send it up or down and you could take advantage. Now everybody's on there helping it. Like, like you guys were alluding to, like basically bandwagon fans or, um, you know, detractions for this player or that player. And, and it helps you and your leagues take advantage of that, you know, in a short period of time. But to me, that's that's the value that you can buy and sell so much in Dynasty. And that's the fun for me, too. And and, and people are crazy about it. Like, you know, you, yeah. you definitely are, like John has said a million times, we think it too. But he's he's basically been quoted saying that quarterbacks are never going to be cheaper than they are in the startup. So get as many as you can, yeah. essentially. You're always going to pay more than than you are now. That's peak value. Like that's capitalizing on real value because people aren't perceiving it that way. They're trying to build their roster. They're not thinking about the fact that you're holding like Fort Knox on your on your roster. Yeah, and, and the other side of something like Michael Thomas and Evans and like I mentioned, Amari Cooper is then you get somebody like AJ Dillon who gets some touches week sixteen and all of a sudden gets this like extra value bumped into him or LaVisca Chenault. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I like him too, but there's that other side where you get that value bump just because like you imagine LaVisca Chenault and DJ Shark with a better quarterback and what that situation is going to be like for them. They start getting some work the last couple weeks or whatnot, and you start to see But it's a projection. It's a projection. Yep. People are projecting that on those players. They haven't done it yet. 
Yeah, I mean, it's still speculation. Yeah, there's no algorithm other than an opinion-based projection. Yeah, but and that's the thing. Like, it's such a catch twenty-two with the concept of value because you know, on on one hand, you know, if that's your projection, if that's your feeling, like I said, you know, do go all in on your best ideas. Go get your guys. If you feel like the value is wrong on this guy, then you know, you, 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 you still have an advantage to, you have an opportunity to take advantage of the value because you know that it's wrong. Like it's, you know, arbitrage, that's kind of the the concept here. We're, we're kind of talking about, you know, people are, people are in, in, here's a great example is people are going to really, really value Justin Jefferson highly. And, you know, as a result, Adam Thielen is going to be very undervalued. And, you know, uh, there's there's an opportunity to take advantage of that, I guess. So, you know, where like value can be kind of a, a, a bad thing because, you know, it kind of it it, it really kind of wags the, <laughs> the tail wags the dog. The tail wags bit. the dog. Yeah. You know, it kind of like it. We 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 just like you know the 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 royal we you know? yeah and it decides yeah. what the value is yeah <laughs> but it's it, but it's like it, i mean obviously that's not actually the value even though right. we all agree that's yeah. still that still well, shouldn't really be it should it shouldn't be right <laughs> and, and you'll see a lot of people saying from time to time like said player as is at peak value it's time to sell or you know and we've seen it for justin jefferson we've seen it for dk metcalf aj brown etc peak value it's time to sell but then like what is peak value like because have they hit peak value one of them hasn't hit peak value At, at least one of those guys hasn't hit peak value and like Michael Thomas is a better example to me or Devante Adams of somebody that is at peak value be, or or was, should I say? Yeah, Adams is at peak value. Thomas, not anymore. But, but he, he was. Know, he was last mm-hmm. year. It, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, the value right. that he's been to us like the last couple of years, like that's an example to me of a wide receiver at peak value. I don't know if it, I'm not saying Jefferson, AJ Brown and Metcalf are all going to hit that kind of wide receiver one peak value, but one of them hasn't peaked. Yeah. But yeah, so I don't know. So what is peak value and how do you decide when somebody's there and when it's time to split the top stocks, as I like to say, and like get a couple different players well, for somebody like the, Justin Jefferson or that's one of the best places to think of not your own value, um, you know, valuation of, of things. But, you know, we use ADP, right, to just see what other people are doing and, you know, the likelihood of player X being drafted at, you know, 105 versus 205 or whatever, a, a tool in your tool belt, ADP, um, you know, rankings too that, you know, out there that exists at the bigger sites, you know, people are using those, um, you know, di- trade calculators. I never use them, by the way, but when people cite trade calculators, I always look at how I can take advantage of that. Like, how can that benefit me? Because, it that's static. I don't know what their algorithms are. I never understood it, but they're not looking at how things are right now. Actually, they're looking at things maybe this morning, maybe mm-hmm. yesterday. However, they update it, but they're not looking at what's going on right now. But it gives you a your finger keeps your finger on the pulse and Twitter too. Not to be 
how can I say this without if people listen to this, how do I say this without sounding bad? But Twitter for me is just another tool to see how people feel about things to help me when I go into drafts and, and, and trades and all of it. Twitter, calculators, ADP, all of it. So my valuation doesn't even always matter. I've got my list of guys, my tiers, how I value players, who I want to get, how I want to go about my draft. Just say startup draft. And then what does everybody else think? Because how can you use that to benefit? And um, so when you guys talk about value, the first thing I think about is what do other people value those players at? It doesn't even matter what I think. What, how can I use that today? You know, this particular Friday, if I were to draft or trade players. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. as much as I can boil it down, I guess. Yeah, that's the thing. That, like, that's the opportunity, you know, that you can take advantage of. And And the problem is, it sometimes it's going to it's going to go the other way you know that's that's where i say it's kind of a catch-22 like sometimes you're just like i i know that this player is worth more um and therefore like i i can't trade him for it you know his quote-unquote value because you know i i know that he's worth more than that and that's where you kind of have to you know again stick with your your own best ideas instead of following instead of chasing that that value but you know at the at the same time it does it creates that opportunity to take advantage somewhere where it's like all right i i feel like this guy is worth more and you know i i you know i i want to trade for this player um because he is at that low value and you ever try to project ahead like yeah yeah this is i don't think i can make this trade in six months but i think i can do it today um yeah and while you're thinking about that what you said made me think of this um some players are worth less than what everybody thinks and that's my favorite thing to do like swags did ceh he's like you know what i think this player is worth less i know i want swift and not just because he went to the lions i think he's a better running back at one point in time he was the the best running back in the class kind of like chubb was before he got injured swift Mm -hmm. was thought of as if not the best certainly in the top two best running backs in that class. And things change now, you know, it it happened. But, you know, believing that the market was wrong, that people were wrong, that CEH was truly worth less than everybody else thought led to getting a player who probably down the line is worth more. And, And so that's what you made me think of when you were talking about, you know, the worth more, like players are always, you know, worth either more or less than the market value, really. Yeah, I think it. I, I think that we do project it. Swags. I mean, I don't think that we're great at it, <laughs> um, but I, I think that we do that. I, like Chris Carson to me is a is a great example. Somebody asked me, um, you know, if I would trade Chris Carson right now, and I, I mean, to me, like that's to me, it's the wrong time to do it. I think that you know, with him in particular, you you know, you wait until he's got a contract. That's when that's when you do it. Like and and just kind of knowing what I know about this, you know, about this community, about the industry. Just know that, you know, Chris Carson without a contract is kind of, you know, not really on anybody's radar. But, I mean, if he signs with trying to think of a good... I mean, you know, Arizona could be in a position to clear the deck at running back. They sign Chris Carson instead of bringing back, you know, Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. And and I'm not even sure. I mean, maybe Chase Edmonds is under contract. But yeah, yeah. If you know, if even even if it's yeah, yeah, Pittsburgh would be a great one. James Conner leaves. Mm-hmm. Chris Carson gets signed there. Falcons I mean, his, maybe. Yeah, 
Yeah, that'd be a good one. I mean, honestly, like even if this if the Seahawks re-sign him, you know, mm-hmm. that, um, that's probably what you would really want for yeah. for trade value is him to stay with Seattle. Yeah, but there's some really good situations out there that he could land in that's gonna it's it's gonna really inflate his value, and you know, so so trading him now, um, even though you know, I I think and and it sucks because Chris Carson's one of my all time favorites. He's also one of my my biggest hits. So, you know, I, I think that I I probably have a tendency to I probably have a little bit of a flawed process with him. You know, I'm I'm probably gonna stick with him a little too long. But like in a moment of clarity, I can say, you know, so we we've we've seen some very good production over the last three years, and you know, that's typically kind of the best case scenario for a running back anyways you're usually not going to get more than that out of them and then but then we've also seen some red flags we've seen some injury there's a significant injury history and there are some problems with fumbles so you know there's there's a lot there to help me build the case that chris carson is a guy that i don't really want to take into 2021 yeah it'll be 27 yeah yeah Yeah, i agree with that there's yeah there's a lot there but you know, so so uh, you know, all in on my best idea would be get Chris Carson off my roster. So in, in so that I, situation, do you feel like there's a better chance that today you gain value on Chris Carson, or you could lose value on Chris Carson? I think that you're going to gain value on Chris Carson before before the season. Like I said, I mean, once he's got a contract, I think his value is going to go up, and I think people are going to. Especially like if he lands in one of those situations that we mentioned, you know, if 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 he did land in in Pittsburgh as the as the feature back for them, that'd be I great. Mean, it, you know, his his value is going to shoot up and it's going to stay up until either he gets hurt or the season starts and you know they end up committing to Benny Snell <laughs> with Chris Carson. Yeah. Oh, good guy. So what would it take for you to sell out of Chris Carson today without like just to kind of be done with it, to not worry about that possible inflation to get on out of the possibility of maybe it bottoming out if he lands in the wrong spot, maybe behind somebody, yeah. what would it take today? Like I think player wise, maybe if you could. So, you know, you know, just kind of projecting it and and, you know, don't really have a, a great way to quantify it, I guess, unless I wanted to try and speculate on what his ADP would be like. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, just say just whatever you think his value is going to be once he's got a contract, regardless of of who it's with. And I mean, you could even say like best case scenario, mm-hmm. maybe Pittsburgh is best case scenario. Seattle's probably best case scenario. He gets sure. a, con- a long-term contract with one of those two teams. That's best case scenario. Where's his value going to be? If I can sell him for that right now, then I do that. All right. So here's my offer. I like that. My I offer- mean, I, I get what you're saying, Hogan. I, I don't disagree at all. I think you, it's you, you obviously um, you could wait too long and that's yeah. worse. That's worse than selling a and, little and lower. That's, that's kind of what I'm saying too, and, honestly. And I hate being in that situation. So my offer to you right now, hypothetically, mm-hmm. this is one of our real te- leagues. So you're not agreeing to a trade, but my offer to you right now is AJ Dillon and Gallup for your. Um, 
Yeah, I and and most people would do it. I would not. You are I don't out. think that I, in the best case scenario, I don't think that's where his value is going to be. I also don't think it's where AJ Dillon's value is going to be. That's the big thing. Yeah. Well, that's important too. Two, I would do a two for one if I thought the value of the two players <laughs> was going to improve. But yeah, it's hard to get behind Gallup and and Dillon. I I mean I do like Dillon, but nobody knows if he's going to be more than just a a here and there like big play guy or whatever. So I, I I'm with you yeah. because Chris Carson is a is a badass running back. Like without the fantasy football stats, I know he's a great running back. Without what he's done in Seattle. But he comes back from injury and he just does it again. And you have to think that people probably undervalue Chris Carson right now. Like John Saucony, you know, let's trade him away. It's probably I don't want to go into 2021 with him. Um, People are probably undervaluing valuing him a little, but not Michael Gallup and A.J. Dillon little. You know, I mean, honestly, like you and and you need to capitalize a little bit better because that's a, you know, a running back one you're talking. So how how far off are we here? Like pick wise, like. Now I'm going to throw you my 210 as well. Man, it's a great example for how to try to value a player, a declining running back who's a fucking stud. I th- I, I think I would need, and, and this actually did kind of come up in a conversation I'm, I was having in DMs today, but um, it wasn't the exact names, but mm-hmm. 210 was the exact pick. Was this uh, with my legit minds? Or? No, um yeah, I don't remember off the top of my head, but it was it was a it was a decent offer. It was something like um, you know Joe Mixon and you know nameless faceless wide receiver for Aaron <laughs> Aaron Jones for similar nameless faceless wide receiver. There's so many wide receivers, like, let's be real, you can't name them all. That's part of it. I'll be honest. Michael Gallup devalues that side a little I bit. No, I don't. I don't even like Gallup. I don't even like Gallup. I was trying to (laughs) just kind of like get something uh, close. It seems like most people honestly like Gallup more than me, so I thought he might work. Um, Throw me an English muffin or a bagel, some multigrain bread. (laughs) So white bread, Michael Gallup. I'm like, what? Man, I don't know. Yeah. So basically, though, uh, so he he asked me about this trade, and it's uh, it really kind of boils down to Joe Mixon for Aaron Jones. And, which to me is extremely balanced and just kind of preferential. Yeah, I agree. I, Good running I back still, on the left, bad running back on the right. Balanced. <laughs> Damn. I hate Joe Mixon. I'll right. take the Mixon side of that. <laughs> and, and that's Before what I that. I mean, I, I'm not ready to give up on Joe Mixon. Um, I am a little bit ready to give up on Aaron Jones. Uh, but... You know, I, I still think that that it's very close, and especially when Aaron Jones gets a contract, kind of like what we're talking about with Chris Carson. It's the same thing. Once he's got a contract somewhere, that value shooting up. Spike, yeah. As soon I as just, they get the deal, yeah. That's yeah. Not great. dude. I just I, don't know that I care. I, I drafted like, Brandon Ayuk three hundred one in Superflex mirrors, and I'm offering you a two ten. Yeah, but I don't know that I'm going to get Brandon Ayuk with that. That's I know, I know. I, like I'm, I'm just as likely to get, you know, Brian Edwards, Zach which, Moss, and, and that could be one that actually Darrington Evans, like that, that was the type of guy that I was taking. I, I definitely go for I Edwards. Know. He's one of those guys you have to show a little patience with, even though he had an early breakout age. But one of the most telling things about wide receiver success in the NFL is just breakout age above everything else, and he has the traits. 
Um, kind of a weird year, but I would advocate getting Brian Edwards because he's going to have a value spike soon too. John, yeah, I, I, I know so I totally too. interrupted you, but let me throw this at you because you mentioned this <laughs> earlier. Adam Thielen and Dylan. That's that's who you just would you do that? That's better. That's better. So I that that at least you know. I mean, I I think I would probably do it, but there's there's at least contingencies now. You know, there's at least something for me to consider. You take me more is, serious now. Yeah. <laughs> like, does Adam Thielen start for me? You know, or is he just going to be bench depth? Because I don't I don't like having wide receivers on my bench. Like, it just it's a waste. Oh, yeah, of basically, rock. it is. Like, if you could turn two of your bench wide receivers into one better wide receiver that scores five points more per game than those two, you know, than either of yeah. those guys, honestly, that you'd be plugging in. You you win, you lose the trade, but you win because you've increased the level of points you score, you know, marginally each week. And so, yeah. you know, I mean, but in those deeper leagues, you, you have the, the ability to do that when you're starting 11 or 12 players in a super flex league. I always have a ton of wide receivers. I would gladly trade two of them to trade just barely trade up for a guy that I think, you know, usually is going to score more because that gives me the chance to win those close matchups every time. But but you're losing the trade value, the perceived value. Yeah. In the end, though, did you make it to your title game? So there again, value is a fleeting mistress. You know, I mean, it, it, we can talk about it, but if you if you made it to your title game because you made that trade, the value might not be on your side in the trade, but the value was there for you to make the deal. What you're talking about, those fading running backs and, and the trades that um, Swags is giving you as an example. I mean, the bottom line is that those are two fading running backs, uncertain situations, older guys, studs nonetheless, but Chris Carson, Aaron Jones, I like both of those running backs a lot, especially Chris Carson. I think he's one of the best running backs in the NFL as far as a well-rounded guy that can do it all. And, you know, a stud back, um, you know, when do we just say he's done? I mean, is he already done? Is that why we're trading him though? I mean, the, the qualitative part about it, like running backs just don't last beyond right. like eight. So is it based just on his age? It's not situational, right? It's, it's the age and the wearing down of that position group. Um, yeah, that, um, you know, I, I, I do think that like the injury history just kind of advances the age a little bit. Um, the fumbles have always been an issue. I, I, it wasn't as bad in 2020, but I mean, it's gotten him literally taken off the field before for a lesser, far lesser running back in Rashad Penny. Like, it, you know, it's, it's gotten him benched in favor of a guy that he's just clearly a better running back, better football player, um, than Rashad Penny. But, you know, they're just like, I, I mean, we, we still, we have to, just swallow it we have to just accept the fact that we're playing <laughs> the inferior player because maybe he'll hold on to the damn football like that you know when that stuff starts to, yeah <laughs> exactly. I mean, honestly, like those guys that that makes no sense yeah like clearly have a better running back okay he fumbled yeah it, it, who gives you the greatest chance to win after the fumble because you got to move forward with your eyes at the front of your head facing forward yeah. Does Rashad Penny better your chances to win the football game or the guy that just fumbled last drive? Just fucking put him back in and let him play. Quarterbacks throw interceptions. I think coaches are their own worst enemy. We could talk all week about that. Another show. I think they're, they've <sighs> risen to this point where they're so firm in their belief that they just overlook the fucking obvious. Play your mm -hmm. best running back, dumbass. Basically. Right. 
but yeah. you're right. Those kinds of things feed into it. Is he old? Can he, is he, is he fading? And we got to put in a younger guy. I get got it. That, it's- got that glitch, the fumble glitch like that's something to consider. The, the big thing for me though is, and again, like I'm just kind of projecting what his value would look like in the best case scenario. And I don't think that he's going to be able to produce enough to, to justify that value. You know, there's just, there's, there's just too much getting in his way. Yeah, it makes a ton of and, sense. And that might be a case where I actually would rather have Joe Mixon than a guy because I don't want Joe Mixon. I try to trade him. I, I've tried to trade him away and I couldn't get what I wanted for him on the two teams where I have him. But mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't move him for either Aaron Jones or Chris Carson because, you know, I'm, 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 kind of, I'm basically trading down, hold out the trade for something that certainly doesn't have the age component. But, um, I would yeah. rather have the better the better running backs, the superior running backs, and both of those guys are superior to Mixon as running back. The and the problem is we kind of tell ourselves these stories and and allow ourselves to you know kind of sensationalize the you know the the opportunity for some of these players, and we do it all the time. And that's where their values get to be you know so high that they're exploitable. And I think it's going to happen with Chris Carson. I think it'll probably happen with Aaron Jones. You know. But like it happened with Leonard Fournette going to Tampa Bay, you're just like, man, put him on that offense. He's going to be he's going to be ridiculous. And all of a sudden, you know, his value jumps way back up. And it's like he I mean, he he was a healthy scratch sometimes because it didn't play out the way we thought it would. Jalen Rager catching the ball from Carson Wentz. Well, you know, we like that was supposed to be a big deal. And then it turned out that, I mean, Jalen Rager wasn't on the field and Carson Wentz couldn't throw the ball anyways. So, you know, what? it, it just didn't come anywhere it conjecture. close. It ended up just being conjecture. People projecting yeah. a situation that never existed. Yep. And that happens all the time. We do that all the time. And, and it really kind of happens with free agency because, you know, we've seen this player. We've seen this situation. And now we're putting that player into this situation. Like we feel like we know more about it than what we actually do. And, and that's, that's just what causes these exploitable flaws. Yeah. I, you know, Todd you, Gurley. yeah, Todd Gurley is a, is a great example. And Hayden Hurst on the same damn offense, yeah. you know, we were just sure that Hayden Hurst was going to walk in and take all the Austin Hooper work. And it was like, it, it, it takes time to get to that point yeah you know um, meanwhile everybody was right about hooper's value decreasing and not being the same tight end when he went to cleveland even in an offense that features tight ends so heavily two yeah. tight end sets though um different reasons i mean lots of stuff but my my um thing was that hooper showed up and he was fine he did a great job but he left his hands in atlanta because he <laughs> and i was like dude why didn't you catch that like what and that one might be an exploitable one, too, because, you know, yeah, we let our expectations get too high. He couldn't live up to it. And now our expectations are going to drop, you know, well below where they actually should be. Um, you know, I, uh, he's it, still it young. Just, and it, it just doesn't consider the actual context, which is for a tight end, you just like a wide receiver. It's hard to change systems, change quarterbacks and hit the ground running. Like yeah. they, they rarely do it, yeah. you know? And, and so it's not usually, hard to pry from a disheartened owner. Yeah. But, usually yeah. with those guys, it's it like year two in that system is what right. you want to target. But it's just such a an instant gratification type of 
type of thing that we're chasing you know yeah we're just like oh man look at what he did with matt ryan he's gonna be even better with kevin stefanski and and baker mayfield all the time yeah yeah and it's like you still got to give him time all the time man i mean even us like talking about this stuff like going into a season we we throw flags of caution to like be patient with this situation be patient with this situation but then you get into the season and you want it now like patience is gone i have austin hooper i need to start him this week i need these damn points i'm freaking frustrated even though like you we kind of know like with rookies that you shouldn't expect a lot year one this this year was actually pretty damn good for rookies and in, yeah, in, in fantasy football like we shouldn't I mean, expect this wide receivers some tight ends here i mean harrison, yeah, harrison bryant, bryant cole Komet, even mm-hmm. i mean it was a really great year and you know some of them had to step up because of the because of covid and ir so you know yeah. a real boon but yeah um rookie quarterbacks rookie wide receivers running backs for sure tight end it was a great season for rook to be yeah. a rookie yep so good stuff man mad mm-hmm. swag dude Dude, mad swag, all good stuff, man. The three of us, yes. Like, we're like, this is easy. We're like playing in the Pro Bowl. You guys yeah. are throwing golf balls. The, I'm like, yeah, I didn't have to. I only did one break. Dynasty no caveman. One, no, one, no one plays any defense, man. Man, you like, you even got the, uh, you even have the Hawaiian landscape behind I, you. I'm trying. I'm all for optimism, you know. Sipping on margarita. Got the nice. got the background. I. I, I mean, I'm on my work laptop. I didn't take off work, but I had no meetings this afternoon. So unless anything emergent comes through, I'm like, I'm enjoying the hell out of this, man. We should do this every Friday. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely good time. I'm going to let you guys tell them who you are as we get out of here. I'm Superflex Dude, known as John Hogue. I live out in Denver. I'm a hell of a guy. I have a great voice for radio. Um, yeah, so look me up at Superflex Dude. And I'm the da- Dynasty. The Dynasty uh, Madman. <laughs> I am at Swagzilla Zero G. We are out of here. These dudes are crazy. Follow at Superflex City, <laughs> at Superflex Super Show, at Superflexible, at Superflexperts, G's and Rice, Cheese and Rice. I, I, there's a lot of stuff at Superflex City. Madman not letting us do an intro or an outro today. <laughs> Nice.